podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hey, Dolphins, this is Michael Fink with the uh, FinFans Podcast. Each week we come to you and bring you our opinions on what's going on within the Dolphins organization. During the season, you'll hear two shows each week where we review and preview each game. We shoot straight from the hip and have fun in doing so. We'd like to thank both the Dolphins Talk Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network for their support. Uh, Make sure to check them out. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Please make sure to follow the show. That way you'll know when a new one comes out. It's truly appreciated. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show. Hey, everyone, we're back uh, today with me. I've got uh, a big group. I've got uh, Daniel Reinhardt. What's up, Fan fans? Louis Ergoni. Hey, Dolphins. And we're introducing Ryan Norwood. Hey, Dolphins. Happy to be here. Hey. Hey, sound a little more happy there, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> you know, you're not as convincing as you should be when you say that. Exactly. Oh, well. But that's all good. <laughs> It's those, it's those, uh, those rookie jitters, right? He, he probably yeah, had his monster yet this morning. <laughs> you'll get there. You'll get there. This is what we love. This is the team we love. Yes. You'll, you'll find your Absolutely. groove. Dan, Daniel, what do you call yourself all the time? What is it? Danimal? What's the word? No. What's the word that you use? Uh, ah, forget it. You're not coming up with it. And I can't remember what you were using that one week over and over again. Uh, genius, probably. <laughs> genius. It's Brilliant? something to that effect. Brilliant, yeah. Savant. That's yeah. it. No, okay. That's our There's coach. a few adjectives, but I don't think there are any of the adjectives that you're using for yourself. But are you confusing what we were using or what he is using? No, no, no. Him. One oh. week he was using, you know, a word over and over again, and I'll th- I'll think of it as the show goes on. But go All ahead, right. guys. Wow. Go ahead, Mike. What do we got? Well, we we got a lot of stuff. Uh, we're gonna talk about obviously some of the late moves that have been made. Uh, some controversial, some not so much. And uh, we've got four questions uh, from some people that would like them answered. And we've got uh, basically a recap we're going to do throughout the AFC and talk about uh, who went where, who got better, and who maybe didn't. Okay. All right. That's good. So if you guys are ready, let's start talking about Xavier Howard. I mean, that that was pretty good news. He became the highest paid cornerback. Uh, His annual value is $25.3 million over the five-year deal. He gets the most guaranteed money of any quarterback cornerback ever. Um, He'll earn $55 million over the next three years, and over the next five, he's on the books for $90 million with $5 million in incentives. It's a lot of money. Uh, Is he worth it? It's not our money, Mike. Is he worth it? I think thousand so. percent for the next two or three years. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how it works out. It's probably a three-year deal, uh, even though they call it a five-year deal. Yeah, I mean he's he's the best in the game as far as I'm concerned. Um, you see what he brings on the defensive side, right? Scores us points, sets us up for points. I mean, how many guys in the NFL do that, right? He's you know, the straw that stirs the drink. Yep, makes everything else possible. Yep. Yes. If we didn't have yes. X, the rest of the defense would suffer tremendously. Mm-hmm. We talked Agreed. about how important yep. it was to make sure that this deal got done. I know that Lou has been pounding the table for it the entire offseason. He wanted this done before a free agent was signed. 
So, yeah. so this was really important to the squad. Happy to have him back. Keeps us stable right, on the defense. Next one is, let's just go. The next one, I'm sorry, Ryan, is the uh, Devontae Parker trade. Uh, we received a 2023 third, and, and we're sending a 2022 fifth. Uh, New England picks up his salary for this year, and uh, that allowed Miami to clear some cap space. I have no problem with them trading Devontae. My problem is where they traded him to. New England has had trouble drafting receivers. They have failed time after time after time, and uh, you're making it a little easier on him, and I don't like that. Given his injury history, we knew what he was, and you're sending him to New England who has a quarterback that's questionable. They don't have a very good offense, if we're being honest. I think they're playing the odds that he may not play against us very much. Yeah, I don't necessarily love the fact that we sent him to New England. They they not only have trouble drafting receivers, but look what they did in the offseason last year. They signed three pass catchers and only or four, I'm sorry, and only one of them did anything in Hunter Henry. Yep. And mm-hmm. now they're going to bring in a talent like Parker. And we talked about this last week, Mike. Parker was going to bring something to our team if he stayed that we don't necessarily think we have at the moment. This is a high point guy, a 50-50 guy, somebody who can play the boundary really well. I understand the move. And when you sign contracts like Tyreek Hills and X's, you have to make some cap space. So it makes sense. I'm kind of bummed we didn't get anything in this draft for him. And we, we don't see any fruits of that until next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of issues with it. I mean, I didn't, number one, you guys already touched on, you know, that that's, you know, the, I mean, that's the major thing here is that he goes to New England, right? And, you know, what Belichick does with, with guys, I mean, he's better at doing this type of thing than he is drafting. Because if you look at, you know, their, their history and all the veteran guys that they have brought in over the years that have put them in playoffs and Super Bowls, it, it's happened over and over again. Now, with that being said, you know, Parker wasn't making a ton of money. And, um, you know, you factor that in um, at what he brings to the table and you look at it in regard to the financing, it's really not a bad contract for the football team. Um, you know, third. I'm sure that's part of what motivated them, Lewis. Well, I, I understand that, Mike. But, you know, as you look at it as a whole, it's not a made, it's not a big, big contract. Agreed. You know, when you compare them to other receivers in the league and some of the guys that Daniel just spoke of that signed with New England last year, I believe signed for even more money and they weren't productive. Um, thirdly, depth wise on this football team, I mean, you, you're now putting Cedric Wilson, a guy who has never really started in the NFL, in a position where he's going to get a lot of playing time right now. Yeah. And behind him, you don't have an awful lot, a lot of unproven guys. And, you know, history has taught us this, is that, you know, when you look at a team and you look at a season, you need depth. And at the receiver position, I mean, you're going to have guys hurt. Um, you know, so you're going to need that depth. And lastly is the physicality that he brings to the table. You look at our offense as a whole, you know, you don't really have a guy like Parker on this football team. Well, Williams, Preston Williams would be the closest. Preston, Preston Williams would be the closest, Mike, and he's coming off of a real disappointing season. But, you know, you look at Tyreek and you look at Waddle and you look at Cedric Wilson, they're not really big guys. So, 
you know, there, there's a lot of things that, that I considered, um, you know, the negatives and positives going into this move. And I think the negatives outweigh the positives. Um, you know, we get a third round pick in return. That's the positive. That's the extent of it. We saved a little bit of money. But Mike, you talk about this all the time. You know, you have to replace them with somebody, right? You know, yep. the, you know the money that's gone, you now have to maybe throw somewhere else. And again, we're an injury away from a, you know, Bowden or somebody like that getting a lot of playing time. So, you know, I didn't like the deal. Well, you can bet, and I said something about this last week as well, you can bet you're going to see some more Trent Shurfield than you thought you were going to because McDaniel trusts him. He brought him in from San Francisco. He's not right. a small-bodied receiver. He's similar. He's a lot closer. I don't know his exact size, but he's a lot closer to Devontae than the rest of the crew. And honestly, it's hard to count on Devontae anyway. It was hard to count on him to be available. And we all know the best ability is availability. Well, you know, that we, we signed a left tackle in uh, Armstead who <laughs> right. has played a lot less games than Devontae has. So Moser has been hurt quite yep. a bit. I mean, you know, they're, they're, you, you roll the dice in the NFL. That's just the way it is. I mean, Injuries are part of the game, and um, you know some of the guys, as Mike just mentioned, you know they're they're question marks as well that are that are getting paid a nice chunk of change. Yeah, so, but that's not convenient know. for my Devonte Parker conversation. So let's stop that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not convenient for your argument. That's, I got. Yeah, it. I try I to tell people though, you know, because they yeah. they all say, you know, they, they critique players who get hurt. And to me, that's kind of like bullshit, you know? I mean, the guys are going to get hurt. It's the nature of the game, you know? You, you can't get down on the player for getting hurt, you know? It, it happens. It, is, it happens. I mean, you know, the Killer B defense, you know, we watched it crumble yep. in a real, real short amount of time when Marino – I mean, if they would have been able to stay healthy for just a couple of more years, Bob Baumhauer, Betters, A.J. Dewey, all those guys – yeah, I don't started, know if we win, but we certainly would have competed better with San Francisco. Oh, without without a doubt. I mean, Mike, not only against San Francisco, but you know, a couple of years, you know, in the early '80s, there when Marino first came on. I mean, they went downhill quickly, and it just happens. You know, it's part of football. Um, you know, so we always have to consider that. And you know, you again, you throw in the fact that you know the money situation in regard to him, I think, wasn't over the top. You know, I just. I just didn't like it, but it is what it is. We got to move on from it. Yep. And now we have to root against them. I I get, you know, upset with Wolf Fuller sitting out three quarters of a season with a broken finger, Uh, but I'm not going to get upset with a, you know, wide receiver who pulls a hamstring and can't play. Right. He can't play. There's nothing he can shoot up. There's nothing he can wrap. He just can't can't play. There's nothing you can do about a hamstring. Well, sure, we can say those things about Parker once we started seeing him on the field, but the first several years of his career, we felt the same way that we felt about Fuller last year. Go ahead, Ryan. What were you going to say? Ryan? I was going to say the same thing. You can only say say it's a hamstring so many times. It's every single year that he's here. He's missing games. So how much of that are you going to take? Well, here, guys, here's here's where my issue lies, right? You got a guy like Preston Williams that you re-signed, right? And I don't know what kind of contract he, he got. I don't remember. Not, not the minimum. So Bag of minimum. He got the minimum, right. So, And that's what he deserved because you had a guy that was basically a healthy scratch, 
um, on a on a lot of weeks. And even when he was in the lineup, when we had guys like Parker down, he was not productive. Um, so you know, it is what it is, guys. You know, when Parker was on the field, he was extremely productive. Even last year, he had some really good games. Let when me he tell was you healthy. something else. He has suffered with our quarterback situation. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. A couple of years ago when Fitzpatrick was out there, Devontae oh, yeah. had a great season. Agreed. Absolutely. I'm right on. Uh, with good quarterbacking, he's going to be a good receiver. Yes. And f- for everything we've said, we enjoyed watching Devontae on the field. And I know personally the, the group of us wish him the best outside sure. of New England. Absolutely. Uh, uh, team sure. su- outside of team success. I can't root for him. Yeah. I can't. No. You know, none of us can, you know, at this point. You can't. Well, as long as their know. team is not successful, I don't care. He can be. <laughs> and he's successful. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, he can fine. go for 1,500 yards. And then, yeah. And if they're three and 14, we don't give yeah. a shit. As long as they're right. third in the AFC East. <laughs> third? Yeah. Well, How about fourth. The Jets aren't going to beat him. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. You never know. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You never do know. Yeah, that's right. well, that's as long as they're behind Buffalo. And we beat them twice. Behind, all right, we've got right. some questions. Go ahead, Mike. Shoot. You're cutting us off. Go ahead. You Rick Rogers asked, um, do you think they'll take the college punter or the running back in the draft? <laughs> Read the rest of the – there, there's more of that question, isn't there? There is. He says, I know the popular vote will be the best player available, but that's not what you asked. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to say neither. Right. Because I don't think we take a punter, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but uh, I don't think we take a punter, especially not where they're projecting that guy to go. That's just crazy. And for me, we've already Is it still si- third round. We've already signed running backs. And if we do take a running back, it's going to be late. It's going to be sixth, seventh round, because that's, I've said it before, I believe it's the case. That's the MO for the Shanahan tree. Is this punter still a third-round uh, selection? Boy, they're saying if we wanted him, we'd have to take him there. So, no thanks. Is he that good, this guy? What is he? What is he, punted 80 yards every time? Yeah, moonshots, apparently. I don't know. I think we're losing Ryan, guys. I think we are, yep. too. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Just join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA contests. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can uh, deposit and withdraw your cash anytime you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TPPN this Saturday at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. 21 or older, uh, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, we uh, had a signing today. We signed Thomas Morstead, the punter. Uh, he's 6'4", 235. He's 36 years old. I mean, that kind of makes me nervous. Last year, he had a 47.2 average. 
He averaged 50.1 in 2012 in New Orleans and made the Pro Bowl. Uh, he's been PFF All-Pro punter three times, lastly in 2018. He was in New Orleans from 2009 to 2020, and last year he split with uh, Atlanta and the Jets. So he's ours. Yeah, I mean, look, we've had worse punters. And honestly, if you look at his career numbers, he's eighth all-time in career punting average at 46.6, and he's number one all-time in the NFL with one punt blocked. But couldn't uh, they find the guy who was 26? I think something like that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they could <laughs> They could draft one, I suppose. Not 26. Which I'm sure we'll talk about. Well, I mean, it is what it is. You know, I mean, obviously they like the guy. I mean, there's got to be reasoning behind what, you know, why they signed him. I mean, we got to trust in uh, in Greer, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Did you say that? I can't believe I just heard those words. Did you hear the snicker thereafter? Uh-huh. I mean, come on. Eat a Snickers. You know, you're not yourself got when you're done, hungry. Just got done, you know, uh, complaining about the Parker trade for 15 minutes. So, you know my thoughts, you know. He's not out of the woods yet. In the process of the last few minutes, we lost Ryan. Uh, He was having some hardware problems and uh, technical difficulties. The show must go on. Uh, So it was nice to have you briefly, Ryan. Yeah, hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Let me get very excited. You don't sound very excited. Okay, just like Ryan. Hey, Brady to the Dolphins. Uh, That story won't go away. Uh, you know, they love the, they love the drama of these writers, but every day they're adding, you know, a new wrinkle to the story. And of course, uh, for those that don't know, I mean, they're basically, uh, Ross, if you remember Flores had a, uh, lawsuit and, uh, in that lawsuit, he mentioned that, uh, uh, Ross had tried to, uh, woo Brady, uh, which is basically tampering. And, uh, there's something to that because I mean, there's, there's more of the story has come out and, uh, they wanted Brady to buy a small piece of the team. And then he was going to be, if they could get his rights from Tampa Bay, uh, he was going to be starting quarterback and, uh, they were going to try and hire Sean Payton from the, uh, saints. So that would have been interesting. That sounds like a lot of pieces that would have to come together to try to try to create something that I'd hate. Well, yeah. And that would have been a lot of pieces because they would have had to get agreement from both Tampa and, uh, New Orleans at the time. And, uh, you know, that in itself would have cost them draft picks or whatever. It right. Is. They, they felt like, yeah. right. Asking for. Right. So it would have been an expensive deal, but how would you feel if Brady was on this team? Are we a Super Bowl team at that point? Lou, yeah. go ahead. Well, I'll I mean, you take this. I'll tell you what, you know, with the additions on offense, I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, when we look at this team right now, where's the question mark, right? We all know the answer to that. Well, so, there's, a, there's a couple. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's center, there's right tackle, there's quarterback, there's uh, – uh, on the other side of the ball, inside linebacker. You know? Well, additionally, additionally, if this would have happened, there's a very small percentage chance that we would have seen something like a Tyreek Hill or a Teron Armstead come in. Maybe Armstead, but Tyreek Hill probably, we would not have been able to trade for him at that point. 
Yeah, I would probably agree with you, unless yeah. it was a very back-ended deal. I mean, listen, it all worked out, and and this is what we've got, and you know, they're creating something, as you mentioned, Mike the media and um it's not a concern at this point i mean you know i don't know why it keeps coming up um you know the whole floor is thing and then you know this tampering and all this other crap i mean you know we need to concentrate on on what this football team needs to do we got a head coach in here now uh not peyton you know we've got mcdaniel we've got a bunch of new additions through free agency and we've got somewhat, uh, somewhat, uh, I say somewhat of a draft coming up, right? It's about a half a draft than what if we normally that, Not even. <clears throat> not even. So, I you think know, it's we, a third, a fourth, and two sevenths or something like that. You know, I mean, they, they, what I'm saying is, is they should just leave this alone already. And, um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, right now, two is the quarterback, Bridgewater's the backup. So we've got a capable guy backing up Tua. And, um, you know, you mentioned the center in the tackle position, Mike, you know, the right tackle position, there's going to be competition there. Obviously they feel that Dieter's strong enough. There's still a guy out there that they can sign if they want to. So, you know, there's, you know, there's options, you know, and, and of course we have a third round draft pick that, you know, we can use in any way, shape or form. So, you know, they need to move on from it, call it a day. I mean, you know, I'm sure Tua doesn't want to hear all this bullshit, you know, over and over again over the fact that they were trying to get Brady in here to replace him or at least to play the next couple of years, you know? I mean, it's not, you know, that's not something that is going to sit well with me as an individual that they keep saying is going to be your quarterback, but yet these stories keep surfacing that they wanted to replace him with a 43-year-old guy. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Okay. so. Lou, you said a bunch of things that were true, but you didn't answer the question. So let me answer the question. I would have effing hated it. F that. Yeah, I'm but that be wasn't nice. the I'm, question, Daniel. The, the, the question Daniel was, was are we how a would Super we Bowl feel team? if Brady was there? Are we Super Bowl contenders? Yes. I would have been pissed off. Let's just put it plain and simple and, and put say that aside. Put that aside, Daniel. Are we a Super Bowl contender? First, first let me tell you how I'd feel. <laughs> I would be pissed off. If Brady came to Miami, because I do not and will not and would never want to root for the enemy. We get that. And You've let's said make it four no times. mistakes. Yes. The now move on. On to the question. Sure. More than likely, because he's <laughs> he's he's one of the he's one of the top dogs in in NFL history. Obviously, so yes. I think he would be able to take any offense and make them better. He showed us that in Tampa. And uh, well, a pretty I'd, nice I'd offense he had in Tampa, right? Yeah, but I'd hate it the whole time, and I'd rather not see it. I'd rather, you know, stay the course. And and I'm glad that we have what we have at the moment that we have it. I mean, that was probably man for man a better offense than he ever played with in New England, and he had a couple for of good sure. ones there. For I sure. would think so, and a good defense on top of that. Yep. And it, he'd be moving into a similar if we're healthy. He'd be moving into a similar situation here if we're healthy. Well, thankfully, it's not happening. Thank yes, God. At least exactly. not this year. Next yep. year is a whole new ball game. Whoa, Let's not whoa, do whoa. this. Oh. Go ahead. What do well, we got? I'm just, I'm just saying what the report said. I'm not giving you my opinion. Yes. We got some questions. Uh, Rick Rogers asked us, uh, do they take the college punter or running back in the draft? Um, I know the popular vote will be best player available, but that's not what you asked. I don't know what he means by that, but... Uh, 
How do you guys feel? Are they going to draft a punter or a running back? Man, look. They've got four picks. Here's the thing. Like, so I've said it a couple of times. I'm going to be at the draft, and if we take a punter in the third <laughs> round, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, no, I don't think we take a punter, specifically because we just signed Morstead. He is a, a veteran who knows what the hell he's doing. And it would be really hard for me to see them taking a running back that early. Because as I've said already, the Shanahan tree, that's kind of their MO. They'll go with a late running back. So I could see a running back, but I don't think it's going to be early. Uh, if they're smart, they're going to draft the best available player there. There and, it is. And if it's a running back, then so be it. Because, you know, if you look at our running back situation, you've got, you've got Mozart, who's been hurt quite a bit. You've got Edmonds, who is, you know, hit and miss to some extent. I would love to see a good, young, strong running back come in here. And if, it, if, it, if he's there in the third round, you take him. If it's a wide receiver, you take him. If it's, if it's an offensive lineman or a linebacker, you take him. I mean, at that point what in the draft, that's what you're doing. What's that, Mike? What if it's a cornerback? You take you him. You take him. Period. That's it. You add depth. This team... Word of the Mike, day for the draft, upgrade, right? Upgrade. If they, if they in the third round start going after necessity, you know, you're going to run into some issues. You there. reach, of course. You, know, you reach. You overdraft you, people. You take the best available guys still on the board, period. If it's a damn quarterback, you take them. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. I mean, you, you know, you've you filled a lot of holes with, with the through free agency, there's still some guys out there, Mike, that, that are unsigned that you can still fill holes with after the draft. If, if, you, if you look at your team as a whole and you say, you know what, upgrade. As Daniel just mentioned, we probably need to upgrade that center position. Let's see if we can figure out a way to get the center in, you know, this free agent center that's still right. out there, if he's still out there at that point. He is, I think. And, it, you know, I mean, listen, the draft's getting closer and closer. What are we, two weeks away at this point? Less than two weeks? What's the date no, of the draft, no, no. guys? It's three it's weeks. The end of the month. It's three weeks. 28th. 28th. So we're 20 days. We're less than three weeks away. So – you know, a lot can happen in between now and then. I mean, we saw the Parker trade. I mean, if there's a receiver there, and this is a deep draft at receiver, you know, they may go that route. If if they if that's the best available guy on the board, that's what you do. And they can you know, use another receiver. I would not feel like that was uh, extravagant. Yep, you just take the best guy on the board at that point. It doesn't matter where. There are a couple of running backs that I would keep my eye on. There's yep. talk of Isaiah Spiller kind of sliding a little bit. He's a guy that if he's there in the third round, I think he would be worth taking because he would probably be the best available, because right. he, but he is sliding a little bit. And then apparently we're having James Cook in for a visit. Right. And if you know who that man is, he was a Georgia running back. He was the younger brother of Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. So he is also kind of in the mold of the guys we have as far mm -hmm. as – more of a change of pace back, not an every down guy. So he kind of fits that pretty well. Good. Steve Medema nice. asked, here's a question. Funky Is the combo of Eichenberg and Hunt good enough to keep on the right side of our line? Protect um, to his blind side, right? Yep. He's assuming Eichenberg is going to be the right tackle. We don't know that as of Right, yet. obviously. Guard yeah, or tackle, um, he doesn't specify. He just Hunt's says fine. Eichenberg and Hunt. Hunt's fine. I mean, yep. I have no problem with him at guard. 
Um, that right tackle position, I think that Eichenberg can do a decent job there for us. Absolutely. He's going to do a better job than the guy we had there the last couple of years, as far as I'm concerned. And there's other guys, you know, I mean, Austin Jackson, which I, you know, I hate mentioning him, but, you know, maybe he fares well on the right side at that tackle position rather than the left side. Um, There'll be competition there. And, you know, I mean, listen, guys, here's the thing. You you have one year here, you know, since the end of the offseason, look at how many holes we plugged. You know, you, you, you don't build Rome in a day, right? I mean, that, that's, that's the old expression. You can't do it. I mean, you know, they've done an awful lot in a lot of different ways to get to where we're getting. You're not going to have a perfect team. I mean, you're going to have guys that are just not up to the level that other guys are at. It's that simple. That's the NFL. So, you know, if Eichenberg's the right tackle, then so be it. He's got to do the best job he possibly can. Right. You help him with a fullback or you do whatever you exactly. have to do. And you address, you know, you, you address your weaknesses the following year. It's that simple. So, yes, I think that they're serviceable. Uh, I think Hunt's above serviceable. I think he's going to be a very solid player in the NFL for years to come. And Eichenberg's coming off of a rookie season where he basically started every single game. So we give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I, I agree. And Eichenberg came out of the draft as a right tackle as well. And we was playing him out of position. So put him back on that right side. Give him the opportunity to learn in the fire on that right side in the NFL. And watch him continue to grow. I think that he's probably the guy there. Not only do I hate talking about Austin Jackson, I hate hearing his name. So moving on. <laughs> you got Jim it. Hendrickson asks, where do you think we are in relation to the Bills and Pats after free agency? Are we a playoff team and no waffling? Don't try and say, well, if Tua t- plays well. Well, if Tua... Oh, no. I, I think that talent-wise, we have definitely jumped ahead of New England. I think that it's going to take well, something. We'll be talking about that in a little bit. I think some, it's going to take something um, a little more than just guys on paper for us to be able to compete with Buffalo, and we've seen that over the last several years. Yeah, I mean, they, they've made strides towards you know getting close to Buffalo. I think on the defensive side, guys, just go back to the last time we played them and how well the defense stacked up against them offensively. I mean, our offense let us down in that game. And that was up in Buffalo. And I, you know, as I watched that game, I was like, you know what? Maybe we're not so far separated from these guys. The difference in that game was, you know, Allen made plays in the fourth quarter and our quarterback and our offense didn't do anything the whole game. We can't say if Tua plays well. Well, Mike, listen, I, I'm not going to be dictated to. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, that, that's part of the equation. You, you know, it, that's like saying, well, you know, if Josh Allen doesn't, you know, doesn't right. play well, is Buffalo beating right. us? Buffalo I mean, you know, win, right. it's part of the equation. I mean, Tua is going to be playing up against Josh Allen. So, of course, it depends on. All you right, know, let me I, ask the question a different way. Outside ahead. of quarterback, man for man, do yes. you think we're as good as the Bills? Yes. I say yes. Yeah. I say our defense matches up against them. And I think with the addition of Tyreek Hill, yes. Waddle. Young receiver, they lost Beasley. Yes. Go ahead, Daniel. I, so I agree. 
And I'll, I'll tell you some more reasons why. I think sure. that our running backs have improved. Yes. I, our offensive line has improved. And I actually like our defensive players, man for man, better than I like theirs. Yes. And, and I, I will go one further to answer the rest of that question. Are we a playoff team? Now, we'll talk about what the rest of the AFC has done. Well, what were all those yeses for? I thought that it, meant we were a playoff I, team. I think that we can be, but it's going to depend on Until what well. McDaniels does inside of the offense. Here, let me give you a couple of stats that I researched for this exact reason. The Dolphins haven't finished top 10 in yardage in the NFL since 1995. I remember that year. They finished <laughs> where they finished eighth. And they've only finished top 20 once since 2009. In fact, seven years, uh, seven out of the last 12 years, they've finished in the bottom seven. Now, bringing in Mike McDaniel from San Francisco, they've been top 15 in yardage all but once since 2017 when John McVay took over, or I'm sorry, when Kyle Shanahan took over. And that was in 2018 when they finished 16th. This includes two top 10 yardage seasons. Both of those seasons, they made it to at least the conference title game with Jimmy G. You know, when so, I go to the doctor next week, the doctor's going to ask me if I've been depressed, and I'm going to have to say yes during our podcast, listening to Daniel talk yeah, about all yeah. the things the Dolphins aren't. Well, here's why I'm telling you that is because <laughs> I'm telling you what the Dolphins can be okay. as Mike McDaniels brings in a new scheme. Right. Because he knows how to produce yardage and put the square pegs in the square holes. Uh, I have some other information when we talk about Tyreek Hill at some point to talk about their offense as well. Well, we'll get there. You're, you're way ahead of me. Point, you're, you're, you're like in third gear. and you know. I'm just saying the offense has the potential uh-huh. to be inside of the top 15 at least, which would make us a playoff team in my eyes. Agreed with Joseph, our defense. Go ahead, Joseph Cusinato Lewis asks, if the offense gels quickly and the defense stays true to form and we score the most by, oh, you didn't say that, uh, do you think we can win the division? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we can win. Yeah. yeah. Daniel, your name Lou? No. <laughs> I'm just talking in the background. Background noise. Oh, I mean, if Lord. the offense yells quickly and the defense stays true to form, we're going to be hard to beat. So We are going to be hard to beat. Listen, here's the thing, okay? Our defense matches up against anybody's. I say this every week. And, you know, it. if you look at, the fact that we've missed the playoffs the last two years by one game with this crummy-ass offense that we've had, which Daniel just spoke about for, what, 20 minutes, Mike? Well, how long like was that, it? Something least. to that effect. I was no, still he, thinking he, about it. That's why I didn't hear him say Daniel, Lou. you got a lot in in a short amount of time, and I'm just messing with you. That was good. Because it, it lets it lets people understand where, our, where, where, we, where, need to be. where we need to be. I mean, even mediocre puts us one or two wins to, as to where we were over the last couple of years and into the playoffs. It, it didn't have to be an over-the-top offense. It had to be an average offense, and we would have made the playoffs the last two years. We can't be at the bottom, which we have been. Tua and the offense, all the additions, McDaniel coaching this offense will make the difference and will make us a playoff team. Now, to answer your question, Mike, in regard to taking over uh, Buffalo, it just depends on how well our offense... Listen, they're going to score points, even against our defense. But we need to muster points against their defense, and we can beat them. 
We can beat them. I mean, last week showed. I mean, last year showed me something in that game up in Buffalo. As you watch that game, if our offense did anything early in that game, it would have put a lot of pressure on Buffalo in the fourth quarter. In the end, you know, they made the plays and we wound up giving up a couple points. But for three quarters, they battled them tooth and nail. I mean, they kept Buffalo on the ground. They didn't score a lot of points. I think going into the fourth quarter, what was it? 10-7 or something to that something effect? Something like that. Yep. It, it was very close. So, uh, you know, that gives you reason to believe that, yes, absolutely they can take over first place in the AFC. Buffalo's a very, very good team, but every year things change. We've basically gotten a lot better, and Buffalo's kind of like, you know, stayed, stayed par. Let's talk right? about what Buffalo has done. Okay. Well, let me expand on that real fast, and I'll let Go ahead. Two years ago, when Byron Jones came in and he was hurt, and Stephon Diggs killed us on crossing routes, he's the only one that did. The yep. rest of that game, we held that team in check. If it wasn't for Stephon Diggs on crossing routes, blowing up Igbenogany, yeah, we were right in that game too. Yep, agreed. All right, so Buffalo added pass rusher Von Miller and Shaq Lawson. Yep. Uh, defensive tackles, uh, Dequin Jones, or Dequan Jones, Tim Settle, and Jordan Phillips. We know Jordan. Yep. Um, they think that'll give them a better front than they had last year. On the offensive side, they signed Roger Saffold and uh, tailback uh, Duke Johnson and uh, O.J. Howard were added uh, on the offense. Tight end O.J. Howard. Uh, they lost Cole Beasley. He got waived. Emmanuel Sanders is still a free agent. Uh, they did resign Isaiah McKenzie and added Jameson Crowder as their replacements, but that's a lot of veterans. Savvy lost. Uh, the Bills also lost defensive tackle Harrison Phillips to the Vikings and cornerback Levi Wallace to the Steelers. Uh, their biggest needs are cornerback, linebacker, offensive guard, and running back. Yep. They improved. No two ways about it. They improved. I think th that they improved in some areas, maybe sure. across the defensive line, Daniel. But, you know, they didn't address their linebacker position, their secondary position, or their run. I mean, Duke Johnson, you know, we know what he is. Well, right. Levi uh, Wallace is a big loss for them. Yes, he played absolutely. a lot of very important minutes. Yeah. And they still have an opportunity to fill a couple of defensive needs in the draft. But O.J. Howard is a fantastic run blocker. Roger Saffold, while not a spring chicken, is a really good offensive lineman. They got mm -hmm. better on the defensive line. You can't overvalue how much Von Miller will add to the locker room. So they did get better. Um, they still struggle in the running back room. Duke Johnson's not a world beater. Their running backs they have currently are nothing special. But and and losing a couple of those receivers, sure, that's some veteran savvy, but you can't also overlook how veteran savvy Jamison Crowder is. So yeah, I Crowder's think they got solid. I think the loss of Beasley is really important. And I know he was banged up quite a bit last year, whatever the case may be. But the year prior, I mean, my goodness, he, he just had a monster year for them in the slot. I mean, Crowder really, is the same guy. Yeah. It's the same guy. Well, we'll see. You know, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, with, you know, with with Josh Allen at quarterback, I think he's going to, you know, definitely, um, you know, Crowder will be solid. But is he is Crowder any better than Emmanuel Sanders, Daniel? I don't know. I mean, I think they're on par with each other. He's better know? than Sanders was last year. 
And, but yeah. I'm not sure Sanders is as good as Gabriel Davis is trending towards being. Yeah, you've Davis seen, is very solid. You've seen receiver. what he did in the playoffs. But, and he, we didn't even talk about the biggest loss for the Bills. And that's Brian Dable. Yeah. You know, that loss is going to affect that offense no matter what other pieces they add to it. So it's going to be very interesting how much that affects Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, their defense is, it took a step backwards last year. I mean, they, they had to address it because, you know, as you watch them in the playoffs, I mean, they, you know, against Kansas City, they were just getting blown up. I mean, they're going up and down the field on them like it was nothing. So, you know, I mean, their defense lacks a little bit at this point. And, um, you know, the gap between the two teams is, is at the quarterback position as far as I'm concerned right now. And if Tua steps up, you know, we can definitely compete. Well, I'll tell you the, the places they don't, they don't want to be lacking is the cornerback position against our skilled wide receivers. It's going to be a struggle for anybody to cover Tyreek, especially mm-hmm. when you're losing a guy like Levi Wallace. Okay, the Jets added uh, Luke and Tomlinson, re-signed tackles Connor McDermott and uh, Dan Feeney. Uh, C.J. Uzma and Tyler Conklin were signed to upgrade the tight end position. They also added uh, defensive lineman Solomon Thomas, linebacker Jacob Martin, cornerback D.J. Reed, and uh, safeties Jordan Whitehead and uh, LaMarcus Joyner. Leaving uh, was Jamison Crowder, who we talked about going to Buffalo. And uh, right tackle Morgan Moses, he signed with the Ravens, and safety Marcus May signed with the Saints, and they lost Jared Davis to the Lions. Now, the Jets' top needs really are everywhere, but it's offensive tackle, wide receiver, linebacker, and cornerback. Yeah, they have a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes. I mean, you know, they went out and they addressed the tight end position because they haven't had a tight end in forever. I mean, my goodness. I don't know. Jerome Barkham was probably their last good tight end. You know, Richard Who? Castor. Richard yeah. Castor, yeah. right. Exactly. Who? Who? So, I mean, you know, it, as, you, as you look at the Jets, you know, they went out, they signed Conklin, and they signed uh, TJ out of Cincinnati. Um, they signed two tight ends. I mean, but past that, you know, they're kind of just treading water. The receiver position, they've got a couple of decent young receivers. I mean, we saw them against us, and, you know, they, they made some plays. Um, but they have holes all over the place. So, you know, they, they've got a long way to go, but they have a lot of draft picks, Mike. So yes, you know, they, do. They, they can address a lot of positions uh, very quickly if they draft well. Agreed. Yeah. They, I also love the tight end additions for them. Uh, they do have a couple of young receivers who are studs. Uh, Elijah Mitchell and I like Corey Davis a lot as a, as a NFL player. But they are going to have to add to the defensive talent in the NFL draft if they want to succeed. And you know they're in the wide receiver market because they were battling with us for Tyreek Hill. So Zach Wilson's got his work cut out for him if he wants to finish anything but last in the AFC East. All right, Daniel. Um, The Dolphins, as we know, signed Tyreek Hill. Uh, They signed Taron Armstead and uh, guard Connor Williams. Uh, those are three pretty big signings. And, of course, they also signed Chase Edmonds and, and Raheem Mozart and, uh, uh, you know, because they lost Duke Johnson and uh, Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson. Yeah. Traded Devontae Parker away. Well, yeah. We got, well, we already talked about Parker, didn't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, they added Teddy Bridgewater, who we know. Uh, and uh, as far as – 
what we've lost, like you said, uh, Devontae Parker, uh, Jesse Davis, who I think probably caused every Dolphin fan, <laughs> at least in South Florida, to stand up and cheer. We had a party. We yeah. We sad. Alan Hearns was waived to create cap space. Uh, Davis signed with the Vikings. Um, Justin Coleman we lost. He signed with Seattle. And uh, Jason McCourty is still a free agent. Our needs inside linebacker, edge rusher, center, and cornerback. And I, I'd put edge last, but I'm sure they do need some more edge pressure. Yeah. Well, it did. To, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, you know, it's that's on Phillips. You know, he's yep. got to step his game up. And, um, you know, it's interesting that they threw that in um, because, you know, we have Agba, who's extremely solid on the edge there. You know, so. Um, you know, obviously they're talking about our need being on the opposite side of him. Um, and that falls on Phillips. I mean, he's the number one pick. He's got to step his game up. The linebacker position, absolutely. You know, it's a situation that, you know, we talk about, we've talked about it the last couple of years. Um, you know, uh, the cornerback position, I'm not so sure. Is that what they said? Corner or quarter? Mike? Corner. Corner, uh, yeah. And, and the reason they're saying that is because they lost Coleman. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, you got Needham and, you know. Well, you had Needham last year and you still yeah. lost Coleman. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, you lost your fourth corner, basically, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, because Needham outplayed him. So, yeah. And you I need mean, that fourth quarter because if one guy goes down, he's playing. You do. You got, you know, Mike, you have to have hope in the fact that somehow, some kind of way, Benogany steps his game up. That's all. You know, it's simple as that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, you know, I'm not holding my breath over that, but, you know, it's it's a situation where, you know, you, you draft these guys. Look at the, look at what we're talking about right now. You know, the, the, the needs, right? Yep. You know, a, a need where we drafted number one with Phillips. Right. They're saying it's a need and corner with Igbenogany. It's a need. It shouldn't be needs. I mean, you should have the right guys there and, you know, this is why Greer is not out of my doghouse as well, of yet. Well, there I think there needs more because you have to have depth pieces behind them that can come in and play at high levels. So right now, we don't have a lot of backups at the edge. We have Zach Sealer, right? And we have guys who can come in and fill in. At linebacker, we don't have a lot of special talent behind our starters. We got guys like Duke Riley, and we got guys like Brennan Scarlett. And so while those guys are okay, they're replacement level players. So you have to draft youth that you can you can progress and make into guys who can play on every down if they need to. For me, I definitely think that we need to draft players in those positions because you just have to have young guys who can come in and play. So I agree with the needs there. As far as the additions on offense, and I think he was kind of leading me to this, Mike, I had a couple of things I wanted to say about Tyreek Hill. And, and everybody looks at Tyreek Hill and they think he's a deep threat. And a lot of people around the league communities wonder why we added a guy like that when we have a quarterback like Tua. But I think that the way that we use Tyreek is going to be a little bit different than what everybody expects because he's not exactly just a deep threat. As a matter of fact, only 15.5% of his targets last year were over 20-plus air yards, which ranked him 62nd in the league. And 56.7% of his targets were less than 10 air yards. Okay, yeah, put that in. What, let's, let's, but you got to talk about the reason. Okay, teams started defending Kansas City the way they used to defend Marino, and that's dropping their safeties back. Too high. Sure. Yep. 
But even so, when you have Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, what are teams going to do? Same thing. Same yeah. thing, of course. So, so his average depth of target was only 11 yards last year. And and if you look at Tua, his average air yards per target was seven and a half yards. Now, there's a there's a few yards difference there, but it's just a proof that we Tua doesn't have to throw it 30 yards in the air to Tyreek Hill for Tyreek Hill to be effective. And I can guarantee you, if I can find these numbers in an article on the internet, Mike McDaniel knows them. Well, and- Daniel, but what you're not taking into consideration is the guy, the other guys around them. I mean, when you've got a guy like Kelsey in the middle of the field that's drawing attention, you know, you, to, to it, listen. But he's not drawing attention 20 yards down the field. No, but what I'm saying is, is this, and Mike just brought attention to it, you know, a, a minute ago as you were talking, is if, if teams just drop back and play everything in front of them, we have to articulate down the field, which we didn't do well. If you look at it, and I understand what you're saying, that Tyreek Hill's going to bring another dimension to this, to this team. But and we hopefully have, your two linemen will as well to where right. they can run a little and, bit. And they can run the football a little bit. But, you know, with Waddle last year, I mean, explosive plays after the catch did not exist. And he's one of the fastest guys in the NFL as well, isn't he? Okay. So, yeah. you know, you have, mirror, you have a mirror guy there. You know, you, we have to get the ball down the field at times. It's it's as simple as that. And hopefully the run will create that, you know, by us being successful running the football. But in the end, you know, what it all boils down to is points on the scoreboard at the end of the game. And we did not do a very good job of that last year. You're hopefully, right. you know, hope. Go ahead. I'll let you finish your thought and then I'll move on to the rest of it. Yeah, this. I mean, you know. All I'm saying is, is that, you know, their offense has got to, you know, if with the addition of Tyreek Hill and, and all the stats and so on and so forth, they're great. But, you know, you had one of the best, you have maybe the best quarterback in the NFL thrown to him as well. He's able to create a lot on his own. There's a lot of other factors that go into all that. I don't want to see, you know, us, you know, dinking and dunking the whole damn game between Tyreek Hill and Waddle, because in the end, you know, it wasn't overly successful for us last year, regardless of who was on the field. And I know we have additions that should help in the running game and stuff, but they have to get a little bit more explosive. They have to stretch those defenses out or else we're going to have a similar offense with just another weapon that they're playing in front of them. The other thing that helps Kansas City or, uh, Buffalo is their quarterbacks can run. So when they drop those two safeties back, they've got a running game they can go to, and they also have the quarterback who can escape and run for a first down. For 20 so, yards yeah, at, at a clip, yeah. right. Uh, okay. So, you know, that's that's a weapon right there, you know, that you're not accounting for because you have to drop people back. All right, well, let me put this into the perspective that I was going towards uh-huh. before we talked about Miami last season. Right. Okay, so Tua and Jimmy G tied at 7.5% of their air throws at 20-plus yards. Would you say that San Francisco was effective last year on offense? Because if you do think that, and you think that we have to go down the field to one of these guys, take this into account. Last year, Debo had 10.9% of his passes over 20 yards. And Mm -hmm. Brandon Ayuk who is a speed guy and can get open had 10.3% of his passes downfield over 20 yards that ranked them 76th and 77th 
among qualified receiving targets. What I'm telling you is that because of what Tyreek Hill can do, and because of what we have already seen from Jalen Waddle, and because of the the new aspects that Mike McDaniel is going to bring to our offense, not only do I think that we can finish inside this top 15 in yardage like I was talking about, but I also think our offense is going to be something that we haven't seen in Miami in a very, very long time. Yeah, absolutely. But that a lot of that is attributed to the running game. And, you know, hopefully we did enough, you know, between the signing of the offensive linemen and the running backs that we brought in uh, to do just that. It wasn't so much the passing game as it was the running game that was very effective in San Francisco. And, of course, they played really good defense at times. You know, they played really well, which, you know, which I feel, you know, I mean, we're a mirror image of them to some extent because, um, you know, as you look at Tua and you look at uh, Garoppolo, um, you know, they're, they're similar in certain ways. Yep. But the difference was the fact that San Francisco was very physical. And they had a guy in Debo Samuel who ran the ball extremely well for them on top of their running back. So, you know, we have to mirror that in order for us to be successful. If we have to throw the ball, you know, dink and dunk, you know, to win football games, it's going to be a problem. You know, it's gonna, it's we're gonna have to rely on the on the running game quite a bit. Okay, the Patriots, our old nemesis, they suck. Well, maybe not. <laughs> you uh, tell them, Daniel. You tell <laughs> you them. You suck. They added Malcolm Butler. Uh, he had played with them before. Yep. Uh, got him from uh, Tennessee, and right. uh, obviously they got Devontae Parker, who we all know about, and mm-hmm. uh, linebacker Mac Wilson in uh, trade. They signed uh, Jabril Peppers, and uh, they also re-signed Trent Brown, safety Delvin McCourty, kicker Nick Falk, and linebacker Jawan Bentley. Mm-hmm. They lost, and uh, this is a big loss, J- uh, J.C. Jackson, yep. who signed with the Chargers. They lost uh, Ted Karras, who signed with the Bengals, and uh, Shaq Mason was traded to the Buccaneers for a uh, fourth-round pick. They lost down to Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, and Jamie Collins. Uh, they were all starters last season, and uh, they're all free agents right now. And uh, Chase Winovich was traded to the Browns. Now, their needs are cornerback, edge, inside linebacker, and wide receiver. How do you feel about their roster? Did they get better? Sounds like they suck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think they moved pretty laterally. And they lost. I uh, they probably lost more than they gained. I agree. I'm yep. on. I'm on par with that. I mean, I you know I have par- to agree only because of J.C. Jackson. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge loss. That's like us losing Howard. That's just a huge loss. Big loss. I mean, d- nobody can fill his shoes, Mike. It's yep. that. It's that simple. And they lost some veteran linebackers. Uh, you know, guys on that defensive yep. side. Um, you know, it's interesting because. You know, this could be another rebuild year. You know, they don't got be surprised to the- though, Lewis, if they don't wait a little while and try and sign those guys back. They do that a lot. They let them go out and find offers, and then they, you know, pay them whatever they it is. They pay them and they sign them. I was thinking on those terms before you even said it, Mike. But the bottom line is, is that you know, you you mentioned four guys. Yep. Uh, that are veteran players on that defense last year. I mean, you know, the chances of them signing all four, no, you know, are, are maybe, maybe they bring Van Noy back, or maybe they bring Hightower back. They Colin, can't bring everybody whoever, back. Right? Yeah. They can't, and they're up there. All of these yep. guys are long in the tooth. So, 
you know, Belichick's a smart, Belichick's a smart guy. Um, you know, they made the playoffs last year with, with the team that they had, but they are, as I said, long in the toot. So maybe this is another rebuild year to where, you know, you see them hoovering around, hovering around 500 and, um, you know, and they build their team back up the following year. Um, a lot depends on the rookie quarterback. You know, he's got to get better. I mean, he had decent games last year. He looked poised, but you know, when his when you look at his statistics overall, they were okay. They weren't over the top. I mean, it, he's not a guy that you know you can say, well, you know, if you match him up against Josh Allen or Mahomes, he's going to be able to go toe to toe with them. Um, so you know, they're an interesting team. I think we're a better football team than they are right now by far. I, I don't think. I don't think they're that close to us at all at this point. And, you know, you, you brought up a perfect, you know, the perfect um, reason as to that is by losing Jackson, who was one of their best players, one of their most important players yeah, on defense. defense. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, they, they took a step backwards. I'm right on page. I'm right on the um, same page as Daniel is in regard to that. So let's all, all right. say it together. They suck. Suck. I'm not going to say they suck because they never do. <laughs> no, Belichick always finds a way, right? Yep. That cheating bastard. Whatever. Sorry, Daniel. I apologize. All right, guys. So that that can that uh, ends our discussion on the AFC East. As as we go forward, we'll uh, look at some of the other divisions that that uh, Miami will be competing against, specifically the AFC divisions. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, All right. I think that about covers it for this afternoon. I'm sorry Ryan had technical difficulties because I really wanted to get him on a show, but that'll have to wait. And uh, in the meantime, I appreciate you guys joining me this afternoon. Yeah, for sure. Very welcome. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, Ryan doesn't suck, but what happened sucked. Yeah, what happened definitely sucked, but that's life. I mean, you know, there's always bumps in the road. I wonder if he's going to listen to the rest of this and be like, oh, I could have said that. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know if, if Ryan is self-centered that way, though. Would you have done it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're, okay, we're I all figured. a little self-centered, aren't we? I don't Lou? know. No. <clears throat> no. <laughs> Opinionated, but not self-centered. No. No. Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm sorry if we got a little long here, but uh, we had a good time. I hope you did listening. Absolutely. Fins up, everybody. Love to have you with us. Fins up. Fins up, doll fans. All right, that's today's show. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is proud to be part of DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and the Pigskin podcast network. Check out these sites, guys. There's lots of podcasts and information there that you'll enjoy. All right, until next time, be well and take care. Podcast Network.